On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, the Sooners are headed to the Alamo Bowl to take on Arizona, so we discuss that. We also discuss a controversial college football playoff Final Four, and we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, December 3rd, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of December, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best... Now we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, and Ted Lehman, Sooner Nation, is pissed. Yeah, you got Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Clearly, there's worse places to be, but there's also better places to be. Um, I don't know. Let's just get this out of the way first. I think it's important to, before we voice our frustration, it's also important to acknowledge if you score more points against a bad Kansas defense and you score more points against the bad Oklahoma State defense, then we're not dealing with this. This isn't an issue. You're in the New Year's Six. If you just score more points on the road, I know, on the road, if you just score more points against two bad defenses, we're not dealing with this problem. So now that we have acknowledged that, now let's voice our frustration, shall we? Right. Yeah. I it, it's it's a it's a it's a brutal game. And it's you know, this matchup has been kind of thrown out there for a while now, and a lot of a lot of people thought that this is a likely scenario, and you know, here we are. The problem is for Oklahoma. This is a really, really good Arizona football team. But you are not going to get really any credit for beating a really good Arizona football team. Um, And obviously, if you lose the game, we all know what comes with that. So it's like Oklahoma has everything on the line in this game. And we all know bowl games often like the most simple factor is what team cares to be there more 
you got a month of preparation. You've got a week leading up to the game and, you know, you're in a different place and you're hanging out and there's parties and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Like who's the most focused throughout that time. And I, it's, it's very easy to motivate an Arizona football team to come play Oklahoma and Alamo bowl right now. Very easy. And it should be easy to motivate Oklahoma, but it's a simple fact that, you know, you're, you're going to start to probably have some guys peel out perhaps and opt out and declare for the NFL. And we've already had some transfer stuff, but I mean, this is a tough position for Oklahoma. It really is. And I believe that we're more deserving than a couple of the new year six teams. So yeah, that's definitely something that a lot of OU fans are upset about. And I am too, or I don't know if upset's the right word, but I'm definitely confused. If you want to make an argument that Penn State is a better football team than OU, I I don't know how much I'm going to push back on that. Clearly, they have their limitations offensively. They fired their offensive coordinator. It's clear they have their limitations offensively. But when you compare the two teams, there's no doubt Penn State's got some talent. Right, they've got pros on that roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like that defense is legit. So if you want to tell me that they're a very talented team that handled business when they played everyone except Michigan and Ohio State, then okay. But what I just can't come to grips with is Ole Miss being ranked ahead of OU. That's where. I don't understand. They got one ranked win against LSU. And their losses are to Alabama and Georgia. And I guess the Alabama loss wasn't that bad, but they got dismantled by Georgia. So is Ole Miss being rewarded for losing to better teams, even though they only have one ranked win and Oklahoma has two? Like, what's going on here? It's not Ole Miss does not have a bunch of pros on both sides of the ball like Penn State. I don't think they're very good. I mean, I've so what seen the hell's a, going on here? What are I we doing? No I have no idea. And it's just like one of those, like it's just like a checkmark box. Like, oh yeah, and by the way, Ole Miss is is in. And it's like, hang on a second. How how are we justifying this? Um, but just to circle back in case anyone's is confused. We put ourselves in this position, right? Yes. We had an opportunity to make it very clear on the field. We didn't, and this is what what you opened the door for, but I, it's got to be the Lane Kiffin factor, I guess. Like People are entertained by him because outside of that, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't, like, you don't hear anyone even bring it up either was the weird thing. I do you think the committee was just so focused on the top six they just kept everything else the same? I, I mean, can't imagine that was the case. But I, I'm just trying to figure it out because I once again, I can get on board with Penn State with some of the discussions surrounding you know where some of those guys are going to be drafted. I, okay. I think their defense is legit. But 
What impresses the committee about Ole Miss? That's where that's where I don't I don't understand. And is it just the fact that and this may be it, dude. I think until Texas got into the final three or into the final four, and we'll discuss the CFP rankings. My goodness. A lot of discourse. But the entire month of November, I just got the sense that the committee didn't think the Big 12 was very good. I, yeah, and that may be true. I, I don't know. Um, it, there's always a lot of conversation about the good conferences and who's better here and there. The fact is most conferences have two teams kind of at the top and the rest is about the same. You know, you've got your top tier and then uh, like there's an intermix as you go, go down and you can match the teams up pretty good, you know, I, as you as you start to go down like the third and third and fourth and fourth and fifth and fifth, most teams are most conferences are pretty equal. So I don't know. It's it's the frustration that there is no set criteria and that everything kind of changes and you get to a point where outside of the top four or five or six. I don't know how much anyone really cares after that point. So there's not a whole lot of thought put into it. And, you know, that's where, that's where some folks really like the old BCS where you've got a formula and no one gets like just an easy bump up because of who their coach is or what they did a couple of years ago or anything like that. It's just the formula is the formula and it's going to spit out the teams in an order for us. And maybe that's the best way to go. So I, I don't know. This is this is what we get with college football, and I it's infuriating as hell. But I suppose that the unknown is what makes it so entertaining. I guess. I guess it it <laughs> makes it entertaining and infuriating. Now, clearly, we've got a lot of time to talk about the matchup against Arizona. I will say, when the Sooners went to the Alamo Bowl a couple years ago and played Oregon, it was a great trip. I, I thought the players had a lot of fun. The Alamo Bowl does a great job with the activities and all that stuff. So it, it's a it's a quality bowl game from the way that it's managed. But I've got faith in BV in getting this team ready to play now. We'll see who all's available for it, right? But with with the way that he's wired, the culture he's been trying to instill in Norman, I, I just can't imagine this team looking at this situation and going, oh, well, there's no winning for us in this game. Everyone expects us to win. I haven't yeah. seen an initial line. I would not be surprised if Arizona ends up being favored in this football game. But I am I'm confident that Venables and this staff are going to have these guys ready to go. Because, dude, let's be real. Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, they got something to prove on the offensive side of the ball. Agreed. So 
when your staff is ultra motivated, and let's not forget the defense, the last couple games of the season, not exactly stellar performances. So you've got a defensive staff that is all kinds of pissed off with the way that they finished the season. And then you've got an offensive staff who's ultra motivated to show that Brent Venables made the right decision. I I know we don't love the matchup and it feels like a lose-lose, but damn it, these players are going to be led by guys that are a lot of guys that have a lot of motivation going into this football game. I agree. And that's going to be the big, like the big challenge coaching wise over the next several weeks is I getting the players to, to have the same motivation as the coaches do. And I mean, that's always the challenge. Arizona's, I, as far as, as the football game, I think it's going to be a damn good football game. Right? I, I think it's I think it's really good. I, I like Arizona. I've got a lot of respect for what they do. Um, you know, you got an opportunity to go 11-2. and two. That's pretty daggum good with, with where we're at, what we've been through. Um, I think a lot of a lot of the football game, it's kind of hard to talk about right now, not knowing what the rosters are going to look like, which is a, that's a real issue, a real, um, the real factor that we're going to have to deal with. And we may not know exactly what the rosters look like until geez, a handful of days before game day, maybe. Yeah. We'll probably save the conversation of guys most likely to opt out for, in a week or so, probably not the best conversation to have right now while OU fans are as mad as, <laughs> as they are. Yeah, we but, need to see. Uh, like, it's always smart to wait until the portal opens. And, you know, it's, there's been a lot of talk about it over the last week, and it's kind of hard to even comment on it because it's like, well, I know what the conversation is, and but it's weird to have that before the portal's even officially open. Yeah, it is. It is definitely interesting. All right, let's get to call your shot. Or you got anything else? Your initial reaction to the Sooners heading to the Alamo Bowl? I it's frustrating we didn't make a New Year's six, but we have to make this uh as important as can be for ourselves to be motivated to go in to beat a really good Arizona team because you know I nationally it's just Maybe nobody cares, right? But nationally, it's not it's not going to feel good to lose to Arizona. And honestly, whenever you look at it, if you go beat Arizona, what we were number 12 in the final rankings, the college football playoff final rankings, I mean, you could be as high as, what, maybe seven, six, seven in the final rankings. And that says a lot if you can end the season there. I can guarantee you this because we put it out on call your shot. We asked you guys your initial reaction to the OU Arizona matchup in the Alamo bowl. And we got a bunch of things along the lines of, Oh, what is there to gain? It's another chance to play a football game, man. And, and we'll see who's available. We'll see who wants to play in it, but you work so damn hard all year long for a handful of chances to go out and play games. So there's everything in the world to gain. It's another chance to play the football game. And it's the last chance to play with this group. So 
I don't want to hear that as an excuse from anyone associated with OU. Oh, there's nothing to gain. Oh, what? So winning 11 games doesn't mean anything anymore? Because you got the 11th win against Arizona? No, that that, that makes no sense to me, man. I, I, I guess I can understand some people that think that way. I ain't one of them. You can miss yeah. me with that stuff. Nothing to gain. Winning an 11th game, create momentum, heading into next season, that's that's meaningless? No, miss me with that. There's always something to gain. Now, if your position is you don't gain anything from beating Arizona in the Alamo Bowl, well, maybe you don't gain as much as winning a New Year's Six, but there's still something to gain. And maybe if you'd like to present it a different way, it's playing not to lose something, which is a top 10 ranking at the end of the season, uh, 11 wins, a bowl game victory. Uh, if your argument is that this bowl game is meaningless, well, then my counter to that is all of this is meaningless. It's all meaningless. I mean, it, 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 like it's just about where you prioritize some of the the stuff. I mean, is it ultimately going to matter to a a player that may go to the NFL if he plays in the bowl game? No, but where do you want to draw the line? If that game doesn't matter, then the last game of the season doesn't matter either or if you've played good the first half of the season, the back half of the season doesn't matter. So you can opt out then. I mean, it's like it's it's a weird argument to say that something is meaningless whenever I, I if you claim that any one game is meaningless, then they all have to be meaningless. I just look at it and I feel like that was some deep stuff, Ted. Well done. <laughs> That's some big brain stuff right there. But I just view it as another opportunity. And if I'm Venables and I'm that staff, and we touched on what the staff has to prove right? Especially the new offensive coordinators. But it's an opportunity for OU to go and show the committee that they got it wrong. I love that opportunity. Hey, you have the opportunity, and Arizona's a good football team. Don't get it twisted, and Jed Fish is a hell of a football coach. That team is going to be ready to play. You could also show up in San Antonio, whoop their ass, and go, y'all got it wrong. There's, That's an opportunity. That's a great opportunity. Yeah. So I am – I think I'm choosing to look at this a little differently than a lot of people are looking at it. Uh, let's get to a couple of these call-your-shot responses, Ted. This first one comes from Tiz. That's with two Zs. He says, we got robbed. We got snubbed from player and coaching awards. Now a new year six Liberty will get humiliated and we'll be here getting trolled by everyone. Almost as bad as FSU getting left out. There's, there's a lot there. There's there. And there's a lot of truth to that. Okay. Here's the thing. And I know everybody knows this, but it just, it's, it has to be said. If you're tired of getting overlooked and left out and snubbed, you have to take the decision out of people's hands, right? 
you go out and you bury Arizona's ass relentlessly for four quarters. You pile it up and you give the double birds to everyone in college football and say, stop the nonsense. Stop leaving us out. Stop snubbing us. Like, if you ever want to get past that, stop looking at the people that are snubbing you and take the decision out of their hands. If you do that, then we won't be talking about it anymore. And going all the way back to the very first uh, statement on the pod today, Gabe, whenever you said it, go beat Kansas and go beat Oklahoma State. Whenever you don't, you open the door for all criticism and you can never say anything because all they do is point right back to those games. And you can't argue with that. Just just take it out of everyone else's hands. That's all you got to do. This other one comes from Ben Vassar, the sewer Vassar, who says, happy the SEC bias will rule in our favor starting next year. That's pretty good. Hopefully. hope I, I hope that's the case. I don't know. I mean, what you got, you got four SEC teams in either the playoff or the New Year's Six, right? Georgia, Ole Miss, and Missouri. So you would hope you get the benefit of that, but I guess we don't know. Are we going to be the the new guys that everyone gets elevated over the top of? That's going to be a possibility if you allow that decision to be made against you. Yeah, it's a good point. All right, let's get to the other OU football news. Tommy Walker has entered the portal and I've got all the respect in the world for that guy. Uh, not a, he was not a super dynamic back, but it was, I mean, it really wasn't even much of a discussion. He was the most effective running back that Oklahoma had. I still think, oh, you wins the Kansas game if he doesn't hurt the ankle, but I guess it's about him getting an opportunity elsewhere, him getting a scholarship, and then that running back room with the incoming recruits, with the guys they have in the room already, that running back room was getting crowded. And I don't know, he was just so effective that I, I kind of hate to see him go, especially it would not hurt to have a guy in with his physicality and short yardage and goal line situations heading into the SEC next season. But, hey, I – I get why Tawi is doing what he's doing here. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I I hate it for Oklahoma. I'm happy for him to to be able to go out and, and chase down some opportunities. Um I'm I'm glad that he's doing that and and who knows where he's going to end up. He I think he can start at a bunch of places. Um but here's the thing. Like he is he's kind of the perfect number 2 back. You know, he's super durable, super, super reliable. He protects really well, physical and protection. He's great late in games whenever teams start to be worn down a little bit. And he's a, a physical guy that's really difficult to tackle coming in. Um, I, I, As of right now, I, I, I'm not sure who the number one is going to be moving forward for us. And I, the number two... We don't have a guy that fits the role like Tawi does. You know, it's like we've got everyone that's kind of maneuvering to be like the featured back, but I think the number two back has some different qualities, like if, if what you ultimately would want from that position. And I think 
that fits Tawi to a T. That makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the running back situation for the bowl game now, clearly Gavin Sawchuk going to be your RB1. And then it's an interesting conversation, man, because I can't imagine Tawi Walker is jumping to the portal and then playing in the bowl game. That just, in no world does that happen. But Javante Barnes, maybe we finally see Caleb Hicks, Dalen Smothers. And there's also the possibility that, you know, another running back jumps in the transfer portal. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what the expectation is there but when you talk about the short yardage kind of physical guy I think that's what they view Xavier Robinson right who's coming in in the next recruiting class I think that's what they view him as right that big physical back clearly you've got Taylor Tatum the top running back in the country coming in in the next class as well so I think they feel really good about the future of the position but when you talk about that Alamo Bowl against Arizona it is it is pretty interesting what the running back position is going to look like. I would love to see some Caleb Hicks, but I feel like we haven't seen that guy in, I don't even remember how long. Yeah. It, it feels like it would be a shock if we saw anyone other than Sawchuck or Barnes, at least in, in like regular rotation, you know, depending on how the game unfolds, but I don't know. I, you know, I think, I think the young guys have something to offer carrying the football. The problem is I I believe they've been unreliable in protection. And frankly, that's a really big part of it. You know, we, we hand the ball to the backs a decent percentage of the time. I don't know, 20 carries a game or so for Sawchuck, maybe a little under that once he, he kind of took over that role. Well, that means 60 other snaps, give or take the running backs expected to be a blocker or, you know, doing something else. So you got to be able to do more than just carry the football. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what it ends up looking like. We'll probably know more over the course of this week as the portal opens up on Monday, whether or not that running back situation could maybe be even a little more interesting, but best of luck to Tawi Walker. Yeah. man. He, he was one of the most consistent players on this football team. This year, I hope he goes and gets his scholarship and, and succeeds. I know a lot of people want to talk about how how much of a factor was the suspension and what happened with him and DeMarco Murray. I, I don't know. I would assume it's more about cashing in on an opportunity from a scholarship standpoint and, let's be real, from an NIL standpoint. Uh, hit he's hitting open free agency after putting some pretty dang good stuff on tape. I would assume someone's going to give him some decent cash to come play running back for him. Could be wrong, but that's my assumption. Yeah, I know. I think that I think you're exactly right. Whether it's maybe opponents that you've played or, or anyone that has seen him on film or knows that he's entered the portal and it doesn't, it, you won't have to get very deep into the film catalog when you watch him running the football for teams to say, yeah, he can play here. And so, yeah, and, and I think that when you're talking skill positions and you can be a starter somewhere, I mean, there's there's definitely a – there's different tiers to it for sure in NIL, but 
you know, I, I think he'll be able to to get something somewhere, you would think. Yeah. I think ultimately it's more about, you know, he had a he, he had a really high floor yeah. as a running back. But the ceiling of the other guys in that room, I, I think you just kind of lean towards those guys that have the higher ceiling, that are more dynamic. There's no doubt. He was awesome to watch when it comes to running people over. But how many times have we talked about it this year, Ted? You, this this program desperately needs some backs that can make some guys miss in space. Yeah. And I I firmly believe that we will be a big player in the transfer portal at running back. You know, I like t- what Taylor Tatum looks like coming in. I like what uh, Xavier Robinson looks like coming in, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't like some of the guys that we have on roster now, but the fact of the matter is we, we cannot afford to be the same at running back next year as we were this year. We have to upgrade that position massively. And maybe that comes from a good off season from Sawchuck and Barnes. All right. And maybe that comes from, a, a a youngster coming in as a true freshman and contributing. But frankly, I don't think you can leave it up to that. I don't think you can leave it up to the chance. I think you have to go out and target a top running back that you've seen out there in the transfer portal. And maybe you strike out and you can't get who you want. That's fine. But I think we're definitely going to be a player for some for some of those guys that are home run hitters. I would agree with that. All right. Jason Llewellyn also entered the transfer portal. Injuries just set his development back. Uh, let's see if a change of scenery will help him out. But really don't have much of an opinion on the kid other than maybe tweets too much. But we didn't see much of anything from him. So, I mean, it may sound harsh, but honestly, this opens a spot for them to bring in a transfer portal tight end. Yeah. Which I think is a massive, massive point of emphasis for this staff in these next couple of weeks. I, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, I, this may be the biggest position of need on the roster. You know, I guess the one benefit about it is you can, you can tailor your offense to what you've got at tight end or lack of tight end a little bit better than maybe some other positions. But if we want to, if we want to end up being the offense and and the physical football team that I think everyone agrees, we, we need to be, we're going to have to get better at tight end. Um, We've got to get more consistency there. We've got to get healthy there. We've got to be deeper. You and I both agree. We would love to see, you know, some, some personnel groupings where we've got, two, three tight ends out there on the football field to be able to start to take advantage of what good tight end play can do for you on offense, you know, and we've, we've got to find some guys that are like the tight end position. it, It can be really good whenever you've got guys that can do some different things that are versatile. And that's why we saw Braden Willis, such a huge part of what the offense did last year is because he had great versatility. And when you don't have great versatility like this year, you end up being extremely limited in what you can do. And 
you know, we ended up settling for Stogner as basically a fullback all year. And that's not really what, at least in my opinion, you want to be doing with your tight ends. I completely agree. Now you need that guy. You need that meathead guy. Absolutely. I just don't think Stogner was that, should be that guy, if that makes sense. You need, in, in a perfect world, you got you need three good tight ends. Correct. You need a guy that can split out, that's athletic, a guy that's an inline traditional tight end, and a thumper. I feel like starting to look ahead maybe to the bowl game into next season, I feel pretty good about Cade McIntyre being that athletic guy. Mm-hmm. A little so, smaller, but he, can mo- he moves well. He, he can run. It's really Caden Helms, but it's it's the injury situation is like you you can't even anything you get from him at this point on is you feel like is a bonus. We have been over the last two seasons, we've been to a lot of practices into every game. I have never seen Caden Helms on the field. I don't know. Not once. I hate that for the kid. I hate it for him. Uh, I hate it for him, but I just, I can't put any type of stock into him moving forward. Haven't even seen the guy on the field. It's been two years, two full years. So once again, that's, that's just terrible luck for him, but it is what it is. They, they need to address the tight end position in a massive way. Now, Josh Faneuil. I'm still pretty intrigued by what his future at the position looks like. But once again, that's a guy that's barely played football. You can't go into the SEC next season hoping that Helms stays healthy and that Faneuil really develops and McIntyre becomes a guy. like That is not where you want to be from a physician standpoint heading into that league. You just can't. You can't do it. Nope. And I love Mitchell that's coming in. Like he he looks oh, yeah. like he's going to be incredible, but it's the same thing. You can't you can't leave it to chance, all right? You can't leave it to chance. We need. We, I think we'll be definitely targeting tight end, and I would I wouldn't be shocked if it's multiple tight ends. I would be more surprised if they don't bring multiple guys. Agree. I don't know if surprise is the word. I maybe concerned. <laughs> <laughs> right yes but yes. yeah so we'll we'll see what that looks like but Tawi walker and jason llewellyn in the transfer portal now it's time to react to what happened with the college football playoff oh boy but first loves travel stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel Just download the Loves Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java money. The land doctors have a 120-acre property for sale in East Norman, located just 10 minutes from campus. This completely wooded property sits at the intersection of East 120th Street and Tecumseh Road. 
If you're looking for a quiet place to go spend some time in the outdoors or a nice little hunting spot on the outskirts of town, this place is for you. There are also development and business opportunities with this property as well. Call Colton Cole to schedule a private showing, 405-615-7645, or shoot him an email at colton at landdoctors.com. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Drank a couple of those during our live show. That was Very fun. good. Very good. People told us it was good. I'm not sure if it was, but I, <laughs> people laughed a lot. Stutzman was great. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can join at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletics Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit SchoonerAle.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. The college football playoff is set. Michigan's your one seed. Washington is your two seed. Texas checks in as your three seed. And Alabama coming in after an impressive win in the SEC championship game. Coming in as your four seed. Undefeated Florida State. Left out. Ted, did the committee get it right? What say you, sir? In my opinion, yes, they got it right. Controversial. I understand. Um, I think it just comes down to like each person, what they value. I you I for me, I think they got it right. But you'll never be able to convince someone who thinks that Florida State should be in because they're undefeated conference champion. And I I mean I'm not I'm not saying that that's not a good argument. I mean, I understand it. There's just a line between I, who's the best and who deserves it. I get that. It's Unfortunately, it's the system we have. I think these four teams give us the best matchups. Like Ultimately, what I don't want is a dud game. And I think if Florida State had been in, that's the biggest opportunity for a dud game. We could still get them. I fully understand that. That happens. But Florida State, it was clear to me watching them last night against Louisville when when compared to Michigan and Washington and Texas and Alabama, without Jordan Travis, they're just they're just not on that same level with those teams. So I to me they got it right, but I totally understand the argument the other way. You know, it's just the system that we're in, and what do you prefer? So looking at the ACC championship game, what a performance by Florida State's defense. Uh, Louisville is not some slappy offense like Iowa. That's a team that scored some points this year, and Florida State's defense was nails. And maybe the play of the game was the punter not punting the ball when he was clearly going to get blocked, (laughs) just eating (laughs) it. And then their defense gets the interception. But I was, I I was really, really impressed by that defensive performance. And really the difference in the game may have been the Lawrence Toa Feely wildcat stuff. Florida state's issue in that game 
it wasn't the fact that Brock Glenn didn't do much. That certainly didn't help, but I don't think anyone expected him to do much. The part that really hurt him was that Tate Rodemaker couldn't play. I think if Rodemaker plays and they look decent, it's it would have been a much tougher decision for the committee to leave him out. But him not being available in the way that it looked for him offensively, I mean, Brock Glenn was just out there trying not to mess it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you see yeah. Jordan Travis's tweet? Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, I know. I, I feel feel horrible for him. I feel horrible for that team. I mean, it's I understand the frustration of we beat everyone that was was put in front of us. And we're in a power five conference. I, I understand all of that. And there there's really no there's no like deciding argument for me because the whole thing is I it's it's up to it's up to a committee. It's up to each individual to how they rate different criteria. So I mean there there really is no I, I sat down there and listened to I don't know way too long of the college football selection show. Right. And I heard a million different arguments for both ways. And I'm not convinced like you could sit there and pound it through to me forever. And I'm not convinced that that Florida state, if they're in, doesn't have a, a big opportunity of getting blown out by one of these other teams. Yeah. I think that Michigan's reaction at their watch party to Alabama being the four seed was. I didn't see that. Oh, not exactly a thrilled response from the Wolverines in the ballroom. It was a, okay, here we go type reaction. And that is going to be, the Rose Bowl is going to be amazing. I'm telling you right now, Alabama is going to beat them. But I agree. I, I just, I don't think. You can say what you want about the SEC. If it were up to me, an SEC team wouldn't have made it. I would have had Florida State in at four. But with Alabama in the – and we have to stop pretending like it's only about this season. That's just not reality. That's just not reality. And I I don't know why the College Football Playoff Committee can't say that publicly. Bama is in because the SEC has dominated college football at the highest level for a long time now, and they won the SEC title. It's that simple. It's not any more complicated than that. And that was an impressive win. I'm going to try to weave like our uh, our conference championship game recaps into this discussion. I'm going to try my best, Ted. Jalen Milrow? His mobility clearly terrified Georgia's defense. I mean, they were doing some things defensively. It looked like they were spying him with two different guys at times. I mean, the respect that he was commanding from Kirby Smart in that defense, that that was something now. I think the threat of him running is, I mean, his athleticism is terrifying for a defense. It's terrifying. And Georgia looked like an absolute wagon to start that game. 
and Bama just weathered the storm and got it done. Turns out this Nick Saban guy can coach a little bit. I, I've got no problem with them being the four seed. I, I really don't. I hate it for Florida State. I hate it for those guys. They did everything they were asked to do. They they just don't have Nick Saban, and they don't have they're, – they're not in the SEC. Well, they don't have their quarterback. If they had their quarterback, the conversation is totally different. Right. Totally different. They're in if, if Jordan if Jordan Travis, which by the way, remember he broke his leg in a meaningless football game. So brutal. If they had him, he'd be in. And I think the SEC would have gotten would have been left out. Well Or maybe they'd leave Texas out. That's yeah. that's probably that's probably <laughs> the more likely say, scenario. Right. Um I, and I, I don't know. And then, then you just have another team that's that's really pissed off, right? Because maybe you have Texas that's left out, um, and for a team that they beat, you know. So there, there are no good answers, as you could see. But I, I don't know, man. I, you're right. Alabama and the way that Milrow looked, it, to me, they look like decidedly the best team in the country last night. And that's, I mean, that's saying something because Georgia is incredible. Michigan has been like just lights out. It, you know, it, it was an impressive performance. What their defense did against that Georgia running game was impressive. Completely limited the explosives. Georgia's longest run in the game was 17 yards. And then, yeah, Georgia, they didn't help themselves. The turnover on the missed time reverse, you just hand Bama a field goal, you end up losing by three. Not great. But what is great? The 47-game win streak is safe, Ted. It's, it's safe. safe. I, You know, I, what I think, you know, I was watching the, the games at a friend's house here in the neighborhood, and, like, one of the things I started laughing at whenever I saw that reverse is – I how that play is treated differently for team to team. Had Oklahoma done something like that in a game, I it's we're just absolutely brutalized for that. Trying to get cute, all of these things. Like I don't know. I thought when I saw that, I was just laughing. Like because I doubt that Kirby Smart and team are going to get hammered the way some other teams would if they did a play like that, you know, and, and made a big mistake in a, in a pivotal moment. But I don't know. It's part of that is kind of telling you like what they felt like they had to do to generate some offense, you know? Right. No, I, I was really impressed with Bama. That defense is for real, man. Even like down on the goal line and stuff like they were, Georgia was not moving them off of football at all. It's like this Bama team's got a bunch of good players or something, no. and they're really well coached. Strange. What would you think of Texas coming in at three? I, you know, I'm. I don't think they're number. Like, I'm fine with the way that the the final four set up. I think those are all the best games that we could have had. Do I think Texas is better than Alabama right now? No, I don't. I if 
if I was asked to honestly rank them one through four, I would have Alabama at number one. If I'm saying who I think the best team of the group is, I'd have Alabama there. But I'm happy with the matchups. To me, it's not doesn't end up being that important. Yeah, I'm. I, I think that Washington Texas matchup's really interesting. I do too. Because if you're looking at the weakness of Texas's defense, it's probably the back end. Their front seven. Once again, just Oklahoma State couldn't do anything in the run game. Nope. In the Big 12 championship game. I, I'm not sure how much analysis we need of that one. That was a mismatch. Yep. Oklahoma State's <laughs> their defense just looks so slow compared to Texas's wide receivers. I mean, how many balls did Ewers throw around the line of scrimmage and guys were just uncovered running down the field with a head of steam? Yeah. I mean, it was just over and over and over again. It just looked like a complete athleticism mismatch. It was. Yeah, it was. And credit Texas. I, you know, it feels like they are, they're a hungry football team. And uh, the Texas of old, would have coughed this season up down the stretch. And there were several uh, opportunities for Texas to do that this year. And like they made some of those games close, but they went out and earned it. And you gotta, you gotta credit them for that. And I think they're going to be entering the postseason playing perhaps some of their best football of the year. And I know they don't have Brooks and that's going to be a factor, but it feels like they're getting healthy out of some of the other spots that are important. Yeah, they've got a uh, four weeks to figure out how to come up with a coverage plan against those Washington wide receivers. Yeah, Whew. best of luck. They got size, they got athleticism, they've got everything, and they got a quarterback that is not scared to push it down the field. Washington has. I think they had I think they'd rather be the two seed and play Texas than be the one seed and play Bama. But I think they've got a a decent argument that they should have been the one seed because I know this. They're a better football team than Oregon. Beat them. Twice. First I mean, time. They, and they set the tone say, early, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you you can look at the first game and say uh, did Washington win it, or did Oregon kind of lose that one? This game, in my opinion, I thought Washington was clearly the better football team. Oregon had there, – there's a lot of discussion now about the middle eight. Oregon had a hell of a middle eight and even took the lead late in the third, but Washington did what championship teams do. They finished the job in the fourth quarter. And Michael Penix – I don't know what that man took before the game, but he looked as healthy as he's looked in a long time, and that dude was spinning it. Deep over route after deep over route after deep over route, just dropping it in. That didn't matter if he was getting hit, didn't matter if he was feeling pressure, and I actually thought Washington's offensive line did a really nice job with how much they put on him in pass protection, but... He wait, he made the one mistake with the overthrow on the interception, but other than that, that man is good. And he he's is. got wide receivers that are legit. And it's so interesting. It looks like he's 
It looks like he's throwing a spear or something <laughs> more than a football. The way, you know what I'm saying? It's got a look to it that is different than anyone else in college football. And I know he's, he's the lefty, but it's got such a, a such a, it, it's like when it gets halfway to its target, it takes off again. It's, it's such a cool looking ball that he throws. That, that's like back to the, my originals. I, I like these four teams and I like the matchups a lot. Yeah, I think that when you look at that Pac-12 championship game, people just thought Oregon was a more complete team. Yeah. And people were wrong. And credit to Kalen DeBoer, man. That man is about to get paid. Washington is. They they need to pay that man so that he doesn't, so that no one else even looks at him. But they controlled the line of scrimmage. They were the more physical football team. Uh, Dylan Johnson, with as banged up as the broadcast was making it sound like he was, that dude balled out. I don't know why he was wearing a hood inside, but that's... <laughs> but other than that, tremendous performance, especially if he was as banged up as they led us to believe. But yeah, Bo Nix, opportunity was there. And... There was a lot on the line for that team. There was a lot on the line for Bo Nix, and they weren't able to get it done. And the question has to be asked, does Dan Lanning have a Washington problem? Yeah. Because it looks uh, that way it through looks his first two way. seasons. Now, I'm curious to see. I, I feel like Oregon is on a better path to maintain what they've done maybe than Washington is. And I mean, both teams are heavily quarterback dependent. Uh, neither one of those teams are anywhere near as good as they are if they don't have those quarterbacks. But I feel like Oregon is in a slightly better position moving forward. Like if you take quarterback out of it and we'll see who those guys end up with and, and, you know, maybe it's a quarterback competition again between the two, but I kind of, I kind of like, and maybe it's just I know a little bit more about them. I kind of like where Oregon is moving forward. You know, if you if you remove the quarterback position out of the equation, I am with you. I, I think Dan Lanning knows exactly where he needs to get that roster to, to be an elite team in college football. He saw it firsthand at Georgia and. I think Phil Knight is going to strap him with the cash to do so. He's got, and I, I'm sure Washington has some great resources. I don't know. I don't know enough about their their NIL program and all of that, but I'm sure there's some some serious backing there. They're surrounded by billionaires uh, with where that, that stadium is. I mean, you could probably get up on the top row and see uh, a bunch of billionaires' houses out on the lake from from where that thing sits, and I don't know how much of that they're able to pull into that that program, but we know that Oregon has a tremendous amount of resources. Yeah, I am. I'm not selling any Oregon stock anytime soon. Uh, I think they're going to be uh, they're going to be in the mix for many more years to come. Any thoughts on Michigan? I, I think they they earned that one seed. They've you know they've been an absolute wagon <laughs> this season. Iowa, 
What well, where was that bar where they were passing out free beer until Iowa scored? How many people died there? Is everyone okay? Woo. Yeah, that was brutal. But here's the weird thing. I I totally expected a, a similar score to what we saw. But I'm still not sure how good Michigan is to a certain degree. Do you feel that way? I I am alarmed, and I pointed it out several times now on the pod. Their lack of explosiveness in the passing game alarms me. Especially when you start thinking about that matchup with Bama. Yeah, those three other teams are all explosive in the pass game. Very explosive. Milrow is going to let that thing fly down the field. Now, we didn't have huge stats in the SEC championship game, but Tommy Reese, they're going to take their shots. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And Michigan, they've struggled to protect McCarthy. I mean, how many times did he get sacked in this game? There's a lot. Yeah. And Iowa's got a really, really good defense. But I don't know, man. I, I just they're not gonna be able to out Bama Bama. They're yeah. not gonna be able to just line up and run it right at them. They're not gonna be able to do that, dude. They're going to have to make explosive plays in the passing game, and that has been the least impressive part of Michigan's team over the last month or so. Yeah, and just to kind of build on that, some of the corner play that I witnessed from Alabama last night in that game was incredible, and some of them were getting flagged, and I'm like, that is not a flag. That is just picture perfect coverage by a corner. They, what about they that are. freshman linebacker just flying around making plays. I'm going good. Guys miss. everywhere. Yep. I uh, the the only thought I have on the Big Ten championship game really is it's it's not a great sign when your number one number one highlight from the game for your team is a guy displaying incredible effort on punt coverage when he missed the tackle and then you gave up an 87 yard punt return. <laughs> it's an incredible effort play, but when that's your number one highlight from the game, I think that kind of tells you how the game went. Like, look at this guy's incredible effort. And it was awesome. Every mm-hmm. team across the country is going to see that play, but yeah, that, that was the highlight of the game for Iowa. That's it. Giving up a, a massive explosive play is the highlight. Um, I don't think I, the Big Ten is about to experience I, the best I, rescheduling, whatever you want to call it, of the way their conference operates. It's about to change the entire dynamic of that conference in a good way. It has for far too long been the three best teams in the same division deciding the conference championship before you even play in the conference championship game. And I hate to say it, Iowa is going to be the biggest loser in the way the Big Ten is going to be played moving forward. They are not going to be able to be a totally average football team and coast their way through for the duration like they have been in recent years. The Big Ten West 
closes out the league's division era going 0-10 in title games. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited for the Big Ten shakeup that's coming next season for sure. But other than Harbaugh running away from the Gatorade bath, not <laughs> not many not many takeaways from that game. Iowa just they gave Michigan such incredible field position throughout that game. I I was really impressed with Iowa's defense. I thought they were fantastic. They lost 26 to nothing. I thought those guys played their absolute asses off. But the offense is whew. Well, you get to a certain point where you, you know, you've you've shown such ineptitude on offense that Michigan is going to start calling a game not to lose it more than to put up points and to and to try and go down the field. It's like we just we just can't afford a mistake right now. So I think that helps them out, but they they do have a legit defense. <laughs> you you can't make your way to the to the championship game and put up the record they did scoring the amount of points they did without having a really good defense. They should have thrown two million dollars at Andy Kotonicki. And instead, he's going to be at Penn State. You fudged up, Iowa. I felt the exact same way. You can maintain a lot of kind of your identity with what you, like how you've operated. You know, here's the big difference, though. Iowa, it's been a long time since they've had any real playmaker at quarterback. A long time. And that's ultimately what holds them back. That was just such a strange game to watch. <laughs> My goodness. They, it it was 10 to nothing and it felt like it was 65 to 0. I it was a strange game strange game to watch, but it unfolded exactly how you knew it would. You know, it's it's but it's weird to watch it <laughs> actually unfold in front of you. Any final thoughts on the college football playoff? I don't think so. I think it was difficult. I think this year showed a lot of the flaws in the system. It's a good one to end on. Uh, the 12-team playoff is, is going to be such so much better. It's just going to it's going to push that that debate a little bit further down. Like we would have been the team right now in it's different, but in Florida State's position, saying seriously, how would we be left out of this thing right now? But that's just how it would be. So, um. I love the matchups. I think they got it right. I hate that there's not a better way to do it, but I think this should be a good a good 14 playoff. I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, John Vance Auto Group has a deal for Oklahoma breakdown listeners. Go to any of their nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. Tell them we sent you, and they'll give you $500 off. That's $500 off just because you listen to this podcast. Been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family owned and operated. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way. 
You can find all the information about their lifetime loyalty program, browse their entire inventory, and find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open to 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kicks off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I think I got to go with uh, Liberty. Uh, Viva la Liberté. They go undefeated. And they have now found themselves in a New Year's Six Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Number eight, Oregon and Liberty are going to play. And they did so not facing a single top 25 football team and not a single power five football team. That is a a winner. Did Did you see what Boo Corrigan said? About Liberty versus SMU, which, by the way, congrats to SMU. We'll get to that. That's going to be part of my winners and losers. Yeah, that was big time. It's almost yeah, as if hear what he said. Well, he basically said, "Well, Liberty won all their games. They didn't play a Power Five team, but they won all their games." And you know, SMU, they had losses to TCU and Oklahoma. Um. Did anyone watch their game against Oklahoma? <laughs> it was very uncomfortable for us early in the fourth quarter, Ted. It was. I and we after watching them and kind of leading up to it as well, we I we thought that they were going to be a pretty good football team with what they did in the transfer portal. They had some guys. We are idiots. We were spot on on SMU. That's a good football team. Mm-hmm. And this is the, and I don't want to take up too much time with this, but the college football playoff committee, I think it needs to be overhauled. There need to be more football people in that room that can come out and explain with concrete reasoning why one team is in and why one team is not. I want someone to come out and to give me reasons why Liberty is in and why SMU is not. Because if one of those reasons is, well, SMU, they they played a couple tough opponents in TCU and Oklahoma, and they lost those games, there needs to be a back and forth of going, wait, are you punishing them for playing good games? Meanwhile, you're rewarding Liberty for playing this cupcake-ass schedule? Is that's what is that what is happening here? That 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 back and forth needs to happen. It's ridiculous that we have allowed 
the college football playoff committee and the messaging from the chair, all this stupid stuff where they say nothing. It's insane that we've allowed this to go on for as long as we have. Yeah. There needs to be more transparency, man. It's ridiculous. There's way too much on the line here for them to trot out someone like Boo Corrigan going, well, we felt, you know, Liberty was in and SMU was out. We need reasons, man. Here's what reasons. I, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest the the BCS formula and the committee has to like if the BCS let's say the BCS formula uh today spit out Florida State in the top four over Alabama or over Texas. One it doesn't really matter who. I they should go with the BCS and if they don't, they have to veto it and they have to come out and explain like with very like you've got to lay your case out, not just so, oh well, we thought that like that you have to be able to actually give a reason as to why the BCS is wrong, why what the formula is not picking up on. And I I think pro- a lot of people probably like that. I've heard a bunch of people say they never should have scrapped the BCS formula. Um, they should have just taken the top four teams with it. Because then there's really no argument. It's like it just it spits out the number. It is what it is. We live with it. But I don't know. Congrats to Liberty. Hey, Jamie Chadwell is a hell of a football coach. Yeah. I mean, with what he did at Coastal Carolina, what they were accomplished this year. Caden Salter is a fun quarterback. If you haven't seen him play, dual threat guy. I think he had a thousand yards rushing this year against a bunch of bad football teams. But still, hey, if, I don't think Oregon that game's going to go very well for him. No, that's what I was about to say. If Oregon has like, if everyone shows up to play that football game, I could be wrong, but I feel like that's a uh, that's a massive beatdown waiting to happen. Yeah. Anything else on that whole situation? Congrats to Liberty, though. Congratulations. Even though it was received with a universal, really? That's what we're doing? (laughs) Right. Okay. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Heisman voters? Who's the best player in the country? Jaden Daniels? (laughs) I think. I I don't know. I. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you have Bo Nix with an opportunity to go out and grab it, gets beat. You got Ollie Gordon with an opportunity against Texas and that front seven to put out a, a performance that maybe elevates him. Milrow thought he earned it with the win against Auburn on the fourth down, the fourth and goal, and he backs that up with, Going to beating the team that's won twenty nine straight, I, I don't, I, I don't. Usually, you can point clearly to who the best player in the country is at this point in the year, and right now, I have no idea who that is. LSU lost its toughest non conference game. It lost its biggest division game. 
and I think I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Now his stats are unbelievable. They are. They're unbelievable. And I think if you plugged him on a lot of teams across the country, they uh, I mean those teams would be much better with what he's a, with what he's able to do throwing and running. But when's the last time LSU played what you would qualify as a meaningful game? The last Bama game? Year, well, last year in the SEC championship game, we got routed. I don't know. Yeah. They lost to Ole Miss, Bama, and Florida State. Like, where's the high? Like, typically you have some type of Heisman moment. Where's the Heisman moment? It's just the overall season, I guess. But even, like, I don't know. That's what I'm saying is I, you could make that case. And, I, you know, I can't really argue that he's not the best player in the country. But it's not like a very compelling Heisman candidacy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not sitting there at the end of the season hoisting the conference championship uh, MVP and championship trophy saying we did it. We're going to play for a national champion championship. I'm the best player in the country. I there's, we don't have that right now other than maybe Milrow, but people are going to get, I mean, he's not going to get voted for that. And I don't think that he is the best. He's not even going to be there. He's not going to be in New York city. I, does Bo Nix still get the invite? I think. Daniels, Nix, Penix? Penix? Maybe it's Penix? I don't I just I don't know how the voting is gonna go. It may be it may be really close across a, a couple of different guys. I don't know. I just that's what I'm saying is I think it's just a maybe the strangest Heisman ending to a season we've seen. I would say it's as least passionate as I've felt when it comes to backing a candidate. Yeah. Which I don't know what that says about me or what it says about the season. I don't know either. You go back and you think RG3 winning the Heisman, three lost team, but he beat us. Like he had that moment. And it's like taking a team from somewhere they – like they've been a team like that was Baylor coming out. They had never been very good before that. Well, they hadn't been very good before that in a really long time. Right. And it was like a huge national story. If you don't like some, like it's kind of the same thing when Lamar Jackson won it, you'll, you'll have some stories like that from time to time. And it's like, okay, he's surrounded by some lesser talent, but that guy's clearly the best player in the country. And maybe that's it with, with Daniels at LSU. I don't know. Did he's got three like day one and day two wide receivers. True. That's true. And a bunch of pros on his team. If he's, anything, he it should have been on a worse team. Could, yes. His team. <laughs> can you win the Heisman trophy when your team underachieves? Well, I guess you could uh, just I guess give it to Penix. He throws yeah. the prettiest ball in college football anyways. Give 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 it to Penix. I, will anyone really be upset about that? I mean, the way he's elevated Washington's football program the last couple of years and uh, undefeated season 
and a berth in the college football playoff. I mean, that's about his his numbers. It's not like his numbers are bad. His numbers are incredible. It's also one of those battled through adversity to get their stories. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was ACL, uh, AC joint. Like that dude was banged up his first three or four years of his career. Yeah, it's true. And to play through the pain that he did for a stretch, to have the performance he did in the Pac-12 championship game, we're making the case for it. Whoever paid for all those Jaden Daniel billboard, uh, D- Jaden Daniel billboards is going to be pissed at us. But yeah, that'd be fine. Give it to Penix. Yeah, same thing with uh, Oregon. They they did the whole Times Square thing again and backfired. That's how it goes. Maybe they should put maybe Oregon one last ditch effort. Like, look at how much Bo cares with the picture with the towel over his head on the sideline at the Pac-12 championship game. They could just put that up in Times Square. Look at how much he cares. Please give him the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, it's wild, though. Uh, We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first. Elevate your tailgate with Chapel Supply and Equipment in Oklahoma City. Chapel Supply and Equipment has generators and inverters on hand that will give you all the power you need so you can take your tailgate to the next level. They also got top-of-the-line heaters to keep you warm during all those cold tailgates later in the season. Oklahoma owned and operated. Elevate your tailgate by calling 405-495-1722 or visit chapelsupply.com. That's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L supply.com. And First Fidelity Bank knows how to keep fans like you happy with more than 50 awards in the last five years, including Forbes Best in State Bank, the Oklahoma's Community Choice Awards, and the Journal Records Reader Rankings. It's clear that they are Oklahoma's number one pick for quality banking. And you can find that level of outstanding service in everything First Fidelity Bank offers. Open an account at an award-winning bank today at ffb.com. First Fidelity Bank, we go where you go. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And head to opolisclothing.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear out there. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com and use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. For my winner of the weekend, it's Oklahoma City Thunder time, Ted. We've got a we've got a break for OU football until the bowl game arrives. Now, of course, we'll be laser focused on the Sooners, but the Thunder got back to their winning ways after a couple close losses to the 76ers and Timberwolves. So on Thursday night, absolutely stomped LeBron and the Lakers 133-110. Yeah, I know they didn't have a bunch of guys play. Don't care. LeBron James and Anthony Davis were on the floor. Thunder handled business. Loved it. Then Saturday, looked like they were handling business and cruising to a comfortable win in Dallas. Had a 20-plus point lead in the fourth. And then I'm watching the ACC championship game on the main TV. Had the Thunder game going on the iPad. Kept looking at it like, what's going on here? What's going on here? A 30-0 run. 
for the Mavs. It was insane to watch. <laughs> Truly insane. And like a scoring glitch going on. But yeah, I was like, what what's going on here? I just kept watching, go, this can't be happening. It felt like an all-time, all-time meltdown. And it was 30 to zero. I didn't even know that was possible in the NBA. I'm gonna be straight up. But but credit to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Somehow snapped out of whatever the hell was going on there and got the job done in the last four minutes. Woo. It was a quiet night when you look at scoring for Chet Holmgren, but I thought he won him the game in the last four minutes. He only had 11 points on the night, but his impact in the last four minutes when things had gone terribly wrong up to that point in the fourth, blocked a couple shots, had a couple of massive putbacks, huge baskets. I, I, just, I thought Chet Holmgren won him the game in the last four minutes. His impact was huge. Yeah. Well, it's good to see that, you know, there's been a, a ton of enthusiasm about what he's going to bring to this team. A little bit of worry after the injury there before it ever got rolling and, you know, just always still on the edge of your seat every time he's got the ball and down low in traffic, hoping that he avoids injury because uh, he's such a, such a dangerous player and, I think he's one of those guys that to me, and you you probably know a lot better than I do, but it feels like he's playing really good basketball right now, but it may be three, four, five years before he reaches his true ceiling is just going to get better and better along the way. As he fills out physically, as he develops more touch and, you know, a, a better feel for some of the rotations and stuff defensively. It feels like he's got a really high ceiling and it's going to be getting better and better throughout the coming years. Oh, I completely agree. I'm really excited about him. And when you look at that Dallas game, don't let Bertans get hot, man. Renegotiated the contract <laughs> and that man came out firing 15 points, 15 points on three shots. You heard me right. 15 points on three shots. He got fouled shooting two threes. It hit the free throws. Incredible. But, yeah, in SGA was solid, but loved the aggressiveness from Jalen Williams. Uh, the other Jalen Williams hit some big shots. He was four or five from three. And this is a this is a conversation surrounding this team right now. Is when are they going to come back to earth when it comes to shooting the three? They're the number one three-point shooting team in the league right now. And they shot it really well in this one. Again, they were 20 of 44 from three. They also are the best free throw percentage shooting team in the league. Maybe they're just good at shooting now. If you're the best free throw shooting team in the league and the best three-point shooting team in the league, I think you're just good at shooting the basketball. I think that's what that means. If if those two things hold, you've got a dangerous, dangerous basketball team on your hand, uh, especially in this day and age. Right? That's that's impressive. If there's two places that you want to, I say we lead the NBA. Those are two really good ones. You look at it. You pull up the standings. Oklahoma City Thunder. A lot, lot of season left. 
currently the two seed in the West. Currently the two seed, only two games back of the number one seed Minnesota Timberwolves. How about that? Yeah, it's wild. There's a new... We're we're in the middle of a... I don't know what you want to call it. Revolution, whatever. Changing of the guard from, from some of your past big-time guys that have really been the best players in the league over a, a decade or so. You're starting to see that rotation take place. A lot of basketball to be played, and you got to stay healthy, but feeling pretty good about the Thunder being a top four or five seed. Especially as young as they are. Especially as young as they are. Going to be such a fun season. I can't wait. All right, for my loser of the weekend, Tulane. Mm. 26-14 loss in the American Conference Championship game. And remember, the American plays the conference championship game at the one seed stadium. So they lost the game on their own field mm. to SMU, who is playing with their backup quarterback. And then their coach left for Houston. Just an awful weekend for Tulane football. You lose the conference title game on your own field to a team with the backup quarterback. And then Willie Fritz takes the Houston job. Not what you're looking for there, Ted. Yeah, and I'm sure on the Tulane message boards right now, the uh, the top hit is Willie Fritz didn't care to prepare for this game. Uh, you know, all of those sayings, you know how that typically goes. But Tulane, a really good football team, built a great program there. They're athletic. They're good on both sides of the ball. They're really good at quarterback. I, he did a great job there, and I'm assuming he's going to do a really good job at Houston. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he He's done a really good job winning everywhere he's been, at least Too in the late. recent past that I can remember. He He's turned that program into a place that if if you're a coach on the come up and you're not, not going to get a Power 5 job, all of a sudden that's that's one of the better jobs out there. Yeah, you look at what he's done the last two years at Tulane. Remember, they were 2-10 in 2021, and then 12-2 and two and 11-2. and two. They were 2-10, and 10, almost beat us on our home field, and I remember saying, like, that, that was a really good football team that we just watched. And then they went 2-10, and 10, and I was like, I know I know what I saw. I know there's a good football team in there. And then they bounced back the next year and 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 looked really good. Like they were just they were close to being a really good team in 21 as well. Yeah. He he won 9 games 2 years in a row. Well, I guess his only 2 years at Georgia Southern. So uh, I'm sure the leadership at Houston is hoping that he builds uh, builds that program up and finds a level of consistency there. But did you watch any of that game? Yeah, just some. Not. Did you see how it started? Uh, remind me. Sack strip fumble for Tulane. <laughs> Get the ball in the one-yard line. QB sneak it in to go up 7 nothing in 10 seconds of game time. That's how you'd like to start off. And I was looking at it going, oh, SMU with the backup quarterback. Oh, man, it could be a long day. And 
credit to the SMU defense. They completely shut down Tulane's offense. Tulane had 269 yards of offense. They had 31 yards rushing. Mm. Michael Pratt played. Yep. And a lot of people think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah. And that and, that SMU defense, like they ended up definitely top 25 in offense and defense at the end of the season. And it may have been quite a bit higher than that. Their number that's for for a team of you know, a non-power five to be able to pull that off. It's always difficult, but they play good complimentary football. Good players, and, both sides. That SMU defense, two lane scores 14. Remember, the first seven were gift wrapped. Right. Yep. They held Tulane to seven points, in my mind. Impressive. On their own field. So, and Kevin Jennings, the backup quarterback for, for SMU, he made a couple mistakes, threw a couple picks, but he also made some really nice throws. The mobility he displayed, not only as a runner, but buying time, keeping his eyes down the field, making plays. I was looking at it going, thank God that guy didn't play against Oklahoma. Yeah. And not to, I hate that Preston Stone was hurt for this game, but Kevin Jennings looked like he he is going to be legit. I don't even know how old he is. I don't care. He looked, there were some moments in that game I went, oh boy, okay. SMU may have a guy moving forward. You think Mordecai's pissed he left? Did not exactly go as planned for him at Wisconsin. Now he's probably feels he probably got an NIL, pretty pretty solid NIL situation there. You would think can't be that pissed. He's got a consolation prize, to make him feel okay about it. Yeah, yeah. But you look at the future of SMU heading to the ACC. You win a conference championship on your way out of the American. You got Rhett Lashley locked in within an extension. You're about to move into, I believe it's like a $150 million football operations building. Look at the ponies go, man. Making their comeback. Let's see what happens. Like, yeah. I mean, whenever you look at the ACC, like, I don't think they enter next year as the favorite, but I mean, I think they could easily hold their own. Now, they're going to have to have a really nice year in the transfer portal like they did last year. They brought in a bunch of really good players. And that's kind of going to be the thing moving forward is uh, it's going to be hard to track year by year who is good and who's not going to be because you can make up or lose so much ground in the transfer portal. It's, it's hard to really decipher who exactly that's going to be. Well, I assume if their donors are willing to write checks to where they're not taking a TV dis distribution from the ACC. I assume they're ready to write some NIL checks with some of the momentum that's going on there. I, I agree. And it feels good whenever you make that type of financial commitment and the team backs it up. Like not a lot of regret going on right now. I imagine. Only regret is Liberty got in a new year six game and they didn't Because Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm. Makes Makes sense. Birthday shout-outs. Happy 21st birthday to Walker Wenzel. Wenzel? Wenzel. 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 Happy Walker Wenzel. WWW squared. Happy birthday. Make smart decisions on the, on your 21st. Happy 26th birthday to Mallory Forey. Happy 34th birthday 
to Michael Van Landingham. Just say happy, it fast, Van Landingham, Van Landingham. Happy 35th birthday to Michael Siganic. Siganic or Siganek? Siganek? C-Y-G-A-N-E-K. It's got to be either one of those, right? Siganek? It's got to be one or the other. Yeah, Michael Siganek. I like that. That's probably right. And happy 49th birthday to Jay Gustin. On that note, episode 376 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. We're actually going to record it Tuesday night. And Mayor David Holt, Oklahoma City Mayor David Holt, will be joining us. That vote for the new arena in Oklahoma City is coming up. And we're going to get to ask him all kinds of questions that we have about it. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great start to your week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do we always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.